Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatch rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Welcome, fight fans, to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast. This is One to Watch, Season 2, Episode Number 8, and we've got Lewis Smith on today's episode. We're going to be talking to Lewis about his journey into boxing, from the moment he stepped foot in the gym for the first time to the moment he turned professional. We're going to be talking about his professional career to date. We're going to be talking about life outside the ring, what happens in the life of a professional boxer, but also we're going to be going deep into this conversation. We're going to be talking about personal family tragedies and the loss of people in your life. It's quite a deep conversation with Lewis and I really appreciate him opening up to myself, talking about this this loss that he had in his life and it happens to the best of us. We all have to suffer this at some point in our lives. So it was really good to be able to relate to, to, to Lewis and have that conversation, you know, about how that affected him and his mental well-being and his professional career. So you'll get to hear about all that. And if you're one of his friends or his family members that are listening to this episode, you know, I thoroughly hope you enjoy what Lewis has to say because he's really got a great head on his shoulders. I really enjoyed sitting down with him for this episode, speaking about his career and his ambitions. But as always, before we get into the episode quickly, I just need to tell you guys to go and follow us on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM, Spotify. It's free to subscribe. You get all the latest episodes of all the different series that we're running and all the weekly reviews, reactions and previews. Please subscribe to us. Rate and review us. Truly helps. So here we go. It's episode eight of Ones to Watch Series 2 and it's with Lewis Smith. 
Delighted to say I've got Lewis Smith on the phone. He's here for Once to Watch, Season 2, Episode 8. Lewis, thanks so much for coming on. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Pleasure as always. Thank you for coming on the show. And as always, the concept of Once to Watch is to find out a little bit more about yourself and your journey through boxing and what life is like outside of the ring. And there's only one real place to start, and that's starting at the beginning and... The, the, the first time you ever really got involved in the sport. Can you remember that? Uh, yeah, I can, actually, because I got absolutely bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, 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 <laughs> so what was your, uh, what was the experience, <laughs> what was the experience um, like then? My first experience, I went just because I'd watched Carl Frotch on TV, so I thought, oh, I'll, I'll give this guy such a fun. Um, and little did I know, and did I find out very quickly that it wasn't all fun, all fun and games. It was quite hurtful as well. Um, first walked into a boxing gym around about the age of 16. Like I said, I'd seen it on TV and I did it for a bit and I weren't really interested too much in fighting a lot. I was just quite happy to be there sparring and doing something different. And it wasn't till a year later, I think, one of my family members was a little bit ill, so I was a bit down. So I walked back in uh, and was angry and thought that I could beat someone up and they beat me up and handed me a, handed me a bit of a beating. So uh, that was my, that was, I only went once before I had that year out and then I went back and yeah, it was, as, I, as I've just said, I, I got absolutely beaten up. So uh, it was quite an interest first real experience in a ring. Did you ever have any experience in boxing at all prior to that? No, no. So you'd li- you, literally, uh, you literally just thought, right, I'm going to be able to go in here, get the gloves on uh, and start swinging for the fences. Yeah, it was just it was just the way I was thinking, oh, well, I'm, I'm angry, you know, annoyed with, you know, things going on. So I thought, oh, do you know what? I can do this. Let, let me channel my anger by, you know, going and doing it in a controlled environment. Um, and yeah, it wasn't a controlled environment in the end because I couldn't control what was happening, what was coming back, that's for sure. <laughs> so when that happened and you got that experience, what was was it that made you decide i want to carry on i want to actually start to learn about the sport more and i want to actually be involved and i want to learn the techniques the footwork the head movement what was it about that experience that kind of turned you around um i think with everything i've ever done in sport or in sort of life i've sort of liked the challenge and doing something that maybe you're not naturally gifted at or you're not you know the most talented at um and i just that that was sort of just what grabbed me about it and you just it's something that's a lot of like a lot of fighters and boxers can't explain but once I went in there it was just it was like it was you know I loved it but obviously you loved it but you were you were taking punishment at the same time which made you want to learn even more because you didn't want to be taking um you know these big massive shots all the time and um yeah I just wanted to I, I think I just wanted to prove because when I was at school I was, I was the you know I was I was a good like district runner and I was quite small, and I think if you ask a lot of people that I went to school with, would you think I'd be a boxer? They'd absolutely probably laugh at you, to be honest. So um, I think that as well, just showing, you know, that I wasn't, you know, that sort of person earlier in life, but sort of giving myself a challenge of, you know, getting in there and having a real fight with someone and having the having the balls to get in there. So after that experience and deciding you wanted to try and learn the craft and learn the sport, how long was you training for before you started becoming involved in sparring again and moving on and, and deciding to look at amateurs? Um, I, I think I trained. I remember. I remember a coach saying to me, and it stuck with me, you know, since I started that if you can't be sort of in there every sort of day that the gym's open and learning these new 
new things all the time. You're never really going to go anywhere. You're like, you know, if you come in once each week, you're sort of, you're coming in, you're learning something new, but you're not being there on a consistent period where you're actually putting the things into practice what you're learning. Then when you're coming back into the gym after a week out, you're sort of revisiting the stuff they taught you on day one instead of learning, you know, improving on it all the time. Um, so I think it was, I, I was thrown into sparring quite quickly. Um, and I was thrown into sparring against some good, you know, good people that had, you know, done a few things in the amateurs, um, like in, in um, the the county championships and stuff like that. Um, and they beat me up as well, um, just to add to the person beating me up the first time I walked in the gym. Um, but from then on, I think I trained, they threw me back into sparring. As soon as I sparred them lot and saw that I had sort of the, to get up and go for it even though I wasn't great um, they sparred me more often I think I sparred you know flat out for about six months um, to six to eight months and I was in the gym three days a week all the time until I bought my first amateur bat after about 10 months I think it was just shy of a year before I had my first amateur bat How old were you at this point? Uh, when I went to the gym I was 16 so this was about 17 just before I turned 18 yeah Okay so you had that first amateur f- uh, fight then going back to the original experience of walking in the gym and trying to spar for the first time and then the difference in going into that amateur bout for the first time how did you get on? How did you find it? Um, it was difficult I mean it's not an easy sport anyway um, but it was yeah it was it was really difficult because obviously you sort of you know like i said i watched it on tv and you can watch it on tv but you know it looks when you watch things things always look a lot easier than what they are and it and it wasn't um and i did find it hard at first to sort of you know spy especially with people that knew what they were doing because you were sort of thinking what's what's he doing here like well, what what's he doing and then little did you know that he was turning you around just to plant a massive right hand on you it's like what where did that come from um so it was hard gauging this like gauging your distance all these sort of things that sort of easy to a lot of people that have boxed for so for so long it was just a whole different ball game because you just thought where is this all coming from um so it was hard it was hard i mean like i said it's not an easy sport anyway but it was to go from just punching a bag that does nothing to you to getting in a ring with someone that do some damage um i don't you know it was it was very hard at the time to sort of get into that so how many amateur fights did you eventually go on to have then in your amateur career uh i only had 13 14 something like that right um wasn't a lot really then was it no no um it wasn't but the thing was you know, in my mind, as a, as a, as a kid, I was just like watching the boxing on TV, and it's a bit like when you watch football on the TV, and you go, "Well, I'd love to be a professional footballer," and it's like, "Well, you don't even have a clue, you don't really see what they've done over the years, footballers, to get where they are." And it's the same with boxing; it's such that grassroots amateur side of it that you don't even think about the amateur side of it really. Um, and I. I was just so fixated on oh I want to be a professional um, want to be a professional boxer that you know you didn't think about those things it was something you sort of had to do um, you know and I, like I said I only had 14 amateurs and to be honest I was terrible in them in a lot of them fights to be honest I was very um, you know under underachieving really because once I once I did start to box I was quite a long rangey sort of fighter that all I had to do really was throw the long shots and they would be I'd be miles away from them. Um, but I never really made it easy for myself, and nor did I take the training seriously as an amateur at times as well. So then you get through the sort of 14 fight period, and you're thinking to yourself, like you've just admitted there, that the majority of the fights you're involved in, you wasn't at your best, you didn't feel 
you 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 know you're the, you're the best fighter you could be at this point but you were still learning and uh, some people only go into the professional game with you know as many as six seven even eight fights but yet go on to end up doing something in the sport to a certain level so going back to when you had your last amateur bout what were the thoughts and feelings at that point was it I want to turn pro or was you having any reservations about turning pro I no I'd never I never had any sort of doubt that I that was what I wanted I wanted to be you know a professional boxer um, and after, well, my last damage fight I ever had, um, I actually won fight of the night and I was sort of on a high and I was like, I was thinking to myself, oh, this is, you know, this is like amazing. Like everyone's, it was a great fight and people were, you know, happy to watch it. And it was just, you know, not end to end, but, you know, we just, we just kept going and me and the other fighter just, just knocking lumps out of each other, really. Um, and I, I was on just such a high from that and I already been i'd already been in a gym with pros anyway for about four months before this um so i was already sort of in and amongst it as such um so i kind of knew what it was going to entail um and yeah it was just it was just improving enough on my ability um to to be able to take that next step and obviously be offered it as well to be able to do that so you made your professional debut. It was 2017. You had your first fight uh, against well-known journeyman Dylan Draper. Still on the circuit, still fighting uh, as we speak. And you got in there for the first time. What was what was it like for you then transitioning over? Because obviously the amateur, the amateur game and the professional game, totally two different sides to the sport. Obviously, when you're in the professional game, a lot of people know that fighters have to promote themselves. They've not got this big platform to promote themselves on or they sign with this big promoter straight away they've got such a difficult job of being able to push themselves out there but for you it was like it was a dream come true you wanted to be a professional fighter from the days of watching Carl Froch in his career and going in there for the first time what was it like? Do you know what it was it was scary if I'm being totally honest um, obviously with your amateur bouts you, you know, you've done the amateur for a while you know what to expect now when you get in, in an amateur ring the fact that it was professional boxing I was getting into a professional boxing ring to have my professional boxing debut um, it was yeah it was scary because you're, you're stepping into the unknown you don't really know what you're, what you're letting yourself in for um, so that, that can be a very scary prospect um, and it was like you said with a journeyman that you know done the round been and done it um, you know he might not win but let's not make no mistake about it these journeymen if they really want to win they can do it it's more of a fact that they choose not to because that's how they make a living um, but yeah it was, you know, it was I was on edge I was nervous Obviously, you're always nervous going into a fight, but I was, yeah, you were, you were scared because you didn't know, you know, anything can happen. Especially with you hear people say, "Oh, got them ten ounce gloves on" and all this sort of stuff, and it's like, what if, what if I get hit, or <laughs> by a good shot in them ten ounce gloves, and I've never felt that before? What am I going to do? Um, so it was, yeah, it was a lot of different emotions going into that and going into the unknown of, of what could happen. So you followed it up with a second professional fight at the start of 2018. And again, picking up the victory in your second professional fight against Josh Thorne. Gets the win and goes on from there. But it's from this point, obviously, your dreams take a little bit of a, of a hit, don't they, due to sort of personal family tragedies. And obviously, it's everybody in life has to suffer these personal family tragedies and I know how difficult people have it and I know it's 
very difficult losing family members and for you it was it was part of a process where it was potentially going to completely put your career to a stop now I don't expect you to sit here and, and talk to me in detail about what went on there but I understand and appreciate myself that how how mentally these things can really affect you not just as a person but then as a sportsman and as a professional fighter being able to then motivate yourself to be back in the gym and back in the ring having suffered that tragedy in your life how how did you manage to to overcome all that um do you know what like you said lead obviously got the winning interest for and do you know what the hardest part about that whole experience for me was was weeks before coming into that fight that you know obviously i know you said you don't expect me to obviously for people that you know, listening to this, obviously, you know, like you said, everyone suffers. Um, these sort of, you know, family tragedies and stuff. Obviously, my granddad was a massive deal to me within life and how I put myself across in life and how I should con- conduct myself and to follow my dreams and things like that. And these were things that he installed in me. And, you know, three weeks after the Josh Vaughan fight, um, obviously, he passed away after a long sort of battle with um, surviving a stroke and then um, you know everything that comes along with it um, and that happened you know two and a half I think weeks out for the fight so that was tough because I wasn't in the gym um, because we got told the week I wasn't in the gym we got told on the Monday that obviously it was probably going to be happening this week that he probably wouldn't last a week so I decided to obviously speak to Wilkie my coach and say listen do you mind if I just train at home be closer to to everything so that if anything does happen, I can, you know, I can be there. Um, so that, that we agreed that. And, you know, he asked me, did I want to pull, pull out? And I said, no, absolutely not. I'm not pulling out. That's not what we would want. Um, anyone would want, family would want, uh, most of all my granddad. Um, so, you know, that, that part was hard because I was, you know, I was just every day sort of out running in the gym and then up the home to see him and then just being there all day. And, you know, when you're trying to make weight and you're, trying to do all these things that professional boxers have to do it's hard enough doing all this stuff when you've got nothing to do and you can sit around all day after your training after your run um it's very easy just to you know relax in it but it's still hard to do the weight then let alone you've got all this other stuff psychologically it was hard to sort of put that to one side and you know make time for all this so it was that was the hardest thing obviously going during that night with josh Vaughan, who you know again people look at people's records they only got one win or something like that but he's actually someone that can actually test you i mean he's been in with some you know he's got some good names on his slate and we we had a big you know <laughs> we had a big fight um it, it wasn't my best performance by a long shot but I think I can forgive myself with everything that was going on behind the scenes. Um, but we, you know, we we got the win in the end. But that that was probably the hardest part of it because psychologically I was going through all of that and then the funeral wasn't until Tuesday after the fight. So, you know, and I was going to have to stand up at my granddad's funeral and, you know, say a little piece from, from me. So that was just all, all these sort of things were just going over in my head and, you know, um, it made it hard. Um, and then after that, we had the Josh Vaughan fight. We got it out of the way. I was on a bit of a high and, you know, I was, an, I was emotional and I was like, yeah, I can't wait to get into the next one. This is exactly what, you know, he would have wanted and everything else. And then it got to a point where I came back to training. I was itching to get back into training. Got back there and I couldn't tell you what happened. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't smash out the press-ups. I couldn't grind out the sit-ups and the groundwork and everything. Just everything. I just didn't have the will to do it. Um, and it took me to go back into the gym when I was buzzing to get back in. 
to find out that you ain't got it. Um, and that was, that was hard. Um, yeah, so it was it was a hard time. And, and after, you know, the months that followed on were just, were just really hard and I struggled with it, to be honest. So after all that happened, in and amongst obviously fighting, in between everything happening and your granddad passing away, you, the following months then is just, you don't end up back in the ring, you don't end up fighting. Like you said yourself, you're struggling to, to do what you normally would be able to smash in the gym. And you, you took just over a year out of the sport as a result of, of, of that. And... It must have been very difficult, and I know there's a lot of people that are listening to this that are out there that will, will relate to it 100% because it, it happens to everybody at some point in their life. Unfortunately, it's a, a part of life we all have to deal with, and losing losing them loved ones is very difficult, not just for people that are in a sport, but just anybody as well. And How did you change your mindset to get yourself back in the gym, back training again, get involved in sparring again, and get that itch and that buzz back to be able to think to myself, you know, this is this is what I've always wanted. This is what I'm going to do. This is what my granddad wanted. How did you manage to do that? Do you know what? Um, I still to this day, when people ask me this question, I can't always give them a a real decisive answer. Um, just simply for the fact of when I quit boxing, I literally left it behind. Um, don't get me wrong, I, you know, I was meant to box in the 8th of April of that year. Uh, I didn't, but I went to support two, two of my stable mates that were boxing. But apart from that, I just left boxing for good. I was, I was done with it. I didn't want to, people used to talk to me about it. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't really watch the fights on TV. Um, I'd gone from boxing being everything and not going a day without saying something about boxing, just to clearing it fully out. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to be a part of it. And don't get me wrong, like I said, I supported my friends and my stable mates and bought tickets to fights and went and supported them and still showed my support, you know, showed them the support they showed me when I was in the gym. But apart from that, I was just not having any of it. Um, and I was, I was convinced, like, if you'd have asked me November last year, you're going to come back. You know, I had people saying it, I had sponsors saying it, you're going to come back. I was absolutely adamant that I was never, ever going to come back to the sport. Ever. Um, and then something happened. And in December, I just, I, I don't know what it was. Um, I don't know whether it was the grieving process, um, you know, because everyone, you know, anyone that goes through something like this, you grieve. And, you know, it can take a month, you know, can take six weeks, a month and a half, two, two months, three months, all the way down the line. It, you know, it, all different people react differently to it. Um, and I don't know whether it was that I, I grieved and I was actually in a position now where I could put it to rest and talk about it. Because if you'd, if we were doing this interview a year ago and you'd have asked me this about, you know, you know what, why I, I'd quit the sport, I wouldn't have been able to talk to you about this. Um, so I think it was a grieving process because, you know, when I quit and I was going out, I was getting drunk, I was eating loads, I put on. You know, for someone who's tall and boxes at a, a lower weight, it's not hard for, for me to put on weight because I'm always down at a certain low weight anyway. So I put on a lot of weight. I was going out and getting drunk, you know. But on the other hand, I had things that were going well for me. I just, you know, just got my own place with my girlfriend. And, you know, I had good things going on, but there was more bad things going on in my life than there was good. Um, I think it took me a while to sort of adapt to you know, moving into a new place, still grieving over that process, you know, all them sort of things roll. When you do stuff, you know, everyone wants to come around and see your new place. And, you know, that would have been something that my granddad would want to do. And, you know, I 
you know, your mind runs away and it's the same with everyone. It's not me saying that I'm different to everyone else. Like that's everyone's thought process behind behind them things. You start to think more about people that you're missing. Um, so I, I, I don't honestly know what, what really picked me back in, but I just I just remember texting Al one day and asking how he was and stuff. And then like a few days later, me going, I want to come back to the gym. What do you reckon on, on giving it another go? Um, and you know he was. He said, as long as you're in the right mind, you know you're in the right mind to come back and do it, and you, and you can give me everything you used to give me because it was your life, and you used, you know you did everything. You know when I when I box, I give everything to it, and you know he wanted me to give me that, give that back. Um, so I said, yeah, let's do it, and yeah, and then it went from there, really. Um, but honestly, I can't tell you exactly where I'd made up my mind that I was going to do it because I honestly don't know myself. Um, it was just just something something clicked. And I don't know whether, you know, eventually it was me thinking, you know, this isn't, you know, because I can imagine my granddad saying to me that that was a waste. You know, I, I started to box and I, I knew I wanted to do it as a profession. I just started to at the amateur gym and give everything to it because I wanted to give everything to it. And and that would have just been a waste. So I think that was in the back of my mind that he, he would would have said that that was a waste, you know, a waste of what I was doing, to waste your dream, to, to throw it away, you know. I mean, grandparents or, you know, elders in your family would always say that in life. Like, you know, oh, don't worry about us, we'll be fine and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I think I think I just, you know, I'd, I, I'd realised what would have been said if people, you know, were still in my life were still here, what they would say. And I think that's what just clicked eventually and wanted, maybe want to want to go back to it. But let's just take a little pause for one moment to give a shout out to the sponsors for BTR Boxing Podcast. It's Bear Attack Boxing providing high quality boxing gloves, boxing equipment to your suitable needs. You can find them at www.bearattackboxing.co.uk and all over social media. You've got the Fight Pro 1 gloves, the Pluto gloves, the new Bear Attack Boxing t-shirt range, the inner gloves, the hand wraps, some great boxing products on there so go and check them out and also we've got a little present for you because you're a loyal listener to btr boxing podcast we've got an exclusive discount code for you now it's a 10 percent discount and all you've got to do is when you're at the checkout and you've got them boxing gloves and that t-shirt in there that you want to buy go onto the promo code and enter btr10 for 10% off. And 10% is not something to be scoffed at in this day and age. It can definitely get you a few quid off them high quality products that Bear Attack Boxing are selling. So, as a loyal listener to BTR Boxing Podcast, when you buy or purchase something through Bear Attack Boxing's website, in the promo code, enter BTR10 and you will get an exclusive 10% discount off your basket. So please go and take advantage of it. Follow them on social media, Bear Attack Boxing, and it's bearattackboxing.co.uk. You got back into the gym. You talked a little bit earlier about the fact that you went to a fight, I think you said in the April, with a couple of, obviously, lads that you knew. And part of the process of getting yourself back mentally into the right frame of mind is obviously being around the sport again and being involved in some capacity and obviously you got yourself back into a, a position to be able to fight again which which happened earlier on this year so in in may you come back and had your preferred professional bout against ivan godore and you won that on points and what what was well i'm going to ask you the question what was the feeling like there because after being out for a long period of time thinking i'm never going to go back to boxing again and then eventually getting back in the ring and picking up the win on the return what was that experience and what were the thoughts and feelings 
feelings there? Was was it like a weight lifted off your shoulders mentally? Do, do you know what? It was exactly what it was. Um, you know, because I was meant to box earlier in the year. I think I was meant to box on March. March show, MTK's March show, um, and I pulled out. I had a bit of a, a bicep tear, and I think my body was still getting used to being back after so long away, getting used to it. Um, but then, yeah, when I got when I was for that fight in May uh, against um, Godard, um, do you know what? I couldn't even tell you where all the time went. It felt like I was starting the camp six, seven weeks out, and then before you knew it, it was there, and it was like, wow, this is like really easy compared to um, previous times like obviously my first fight with Dylan Draper um, we didn't know whether we were going to be fighting we only we only knew we were fighting Dylan Draper four weeks out so it was sort of a bit of a rush to get everything done and then broke my nose a week before in my last bar the week before the fight with Dylan Draper so I, I went into a fight with a broken nose um, with um, pockets of air in my nose blown up so I couldn't actually breathe out my nose very well so I went through that so that was hard as well as being my debut and then coming into the Josh Vaughan fight with everything with my granddad going on and just going to this fight in May not to be sound you know horrible or sound you know inconsiderate of the time I had left my granddad but it was just it was such a weight lifted off with not having you know not having these problems you know with with a broken nose or not having these problems with family issues outside of it it was just good to get in there and just enjoy for what it was um and I think you know that that was a massive just real you could feel it um, when we were there, you know, my my previous fights, it was sort of in the changing rooms. I was sort of, you know, not tense, but just in a mindset where I've got to do, like, you know, I've got to go and do a job. I've got to leave everything else behind, go out there and do what I'm meant to be doing. This is a job. Um, I mean, this time it wasn't like there's, there's one specific picture that was taken backstage, probably about two minutes before I ring walked. Um, and it was it's just me, me, my trainer, Alec Wilkie, and then... Um, Mickey Burke, who's in, who was in our corner doing um, cuts and stuff, just just having a laugh, and it was like that was nowhere to be seen in the first the first two fights. Um, you know, and anyone that knows me, I'm I'm quite a you know I'm quite an outspoken sort of person. I like a laugh. I'm quite light-hearted, really. Um, and and it was just nice just to get in there, and I, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I I enjoyed it. I, I maybe have wished uh, Ivan Godar had stayed and and bought, like, fought with me a bit more because that's what I wanted. You know, everyone sort of come out. I was, you know, in the best shape that I have been in. Um, not without, you know, little little niggly injuries that everyone gets. But um, I was just in there enjoying it and just I was just happy and, and showed improvement, which was which is all what I've always. I've always wanted to show improvement in my fight, um, and it was just lovely to be in. You know, like I did. I think I did an interview just after that fight, and I was just smiling. I was just happy. It was just just a pleasure to be in there and and to be back doing it. To be back with you know all my friends and family that came to watch, and then with the team of you know Al and Alec Wilkie, Gary. Gary Wilkie in the gym and, and all the boys at Team Wilkie in the gym. It's just nice just to be back and like, yes, this is what this is what it was all about in the first place. Um, and I can leave the rest of the, you know, behind me now. This is what it's about. Um, and I just, yeah, I just, I loved it and I enjoyed it. And it, and it, like you said, it was a massive, massive lift off the shoulders. You wouldn't have even known, you know, it was just, it was just amazing. It was just amazing.
and just get back in there and just do what I'd been wanting to do for ages and that was to get back in and, and box well um, and it was, just, yeah, it was just great to be back You've got your full professional belt now lined up and it's not very long away it's on the 20th of July on MTK's Brentwood Centre show so you're back in the ring uh, good quick turnaround for you to get back in the ring and how have you found the transition of the professional boxing because I always talk a lot about on the episodes with people that come on about how difficult it can be for them to know that they've got to go out there and sell X amount of tickets to be able to cover the opponent to be able to even sometimes even break even and you know make some money out of it and people don't always understand that side of the sport of the business side of boxing how have you found that transition um to be honest with you i mean yeah the ticket the tickets and all that sort of stuff is is never easy because um you know it's a lot of it's a lot of work it's a lot of work that, you know, we have to do more at this lower level than a lot of the people that are at their height, you know, at the sort of, with promoters, you know, signed to big money deals. They don't have to do any of this. So we have to do it all because obviously we haven't got the background of what them fighters have. I've never really struggled to sell the ticket. Um, I mean, the turnarounds, they've always a bit of timing, you know, because get people to part with, you know, 40 pound of their money when they earn full-time jobs is actually a lot harder than, than someone who looking from the outside would think um, it's, very, it's very hard to get people to part with their money hence the reason why we need to sort of be in good fights and um, you know show people that you know you're entertaining and come across as, as people want to watch you because if not you're going to struggle um, I don't struggle with the selling tickets a lot I like the quick turnaround um, for the fight on July the 20th it was going very well um, but since then there's been development um, in my training where I've actually injured um, my uh, top muscle in my thigh, um, which I'm currently having physio on at the moment, um, which has actually stopped us now from boxing on the Brentwood show, um, which is really gutting. It's you know something that we've we've only just you know we've, we've only just obviously confirmed that that is the case as we wanted to give ourselves as much time to see how it is. Um, so obviously, yeah, yeah, telling you that now. Um, obviously, you know, um, so. With with that as well, I mean, sort of just keeping on the sort of subject with you saying about the quick turnaround, um, this is something that can also happen, obviously, in, in the training that you have these quick turnarounds. So you're asking a lot of your body. Um, and obviously that hasn't gone right for me um, this time, which, which is, you know, is annoying for someone who, you know, has, has missed out a lot of time. So I'm sort of making up the time um, as such, you know, with the time I've missed out. Um, so that's hard. And obviously then sold all your tickets. So now I've, you know, I've had to go out, get them tickets back, give people's money back, you know, all these sort of things. So um, I know that's just gone sort of kind of off the subject we were just on. But it's sort of, yeah, it, that, that part's hard about it as well. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a bit of a tough one to take really um and hard because you know for four weeks of your camp you can you can be looking looking great and then it only takes one moment for it to change yeah and i totally agree with what you've said there on on that subject because the thing again what people don't understand is you know someone will pull out of a fight and automatically people will jump on the bandwagon of well he doesn't want to fight this guy or he's scared to fight him or there'll always be different excuses as to why what well, what people come up with mainly on the social media of course but you know you're telling us exactly what happens to a lot of fighters 
uh, every single month, which is they'll have a fight, they'll try and go for that quick turnaround. Sometimes it works out for them and they look great and they sell more tickets going forward and they build more of a platform doing that. But then in, in other instances, like with what's happened here, you've tried to go for that quick turnaround straight back into camp after the May fight and you've ended up with this injury at the top of your fight, which has now put you out of your next fight. So it's, it's as easy as that, really, as you've rightly pointed out. And also the fact that when you sell all these tickets, then people obviously... I want in the money back because they ain't going to be able to go anymore. So then you've got to go out, get the money back to everybody. So there's a hell of a lot more involved behind the scenes than what people appreciate. And, and that's why we talk about this stuff is because I think it enlightens people to understand how difficult it can be being a professional boxer at this stage of your career for sure. But going away from what we've just been talking about, about the fight, I wanted to find out a little bit more about what you do outside of boxing as well. So... When you're not training, when you're not in camp, do you do you have another job? Do you work which supports the boxing career? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm a I'm an event manager slash uh, bar manager, um, which I do obviously on a part time basis. Um, my boss is very good to me. You know, offered me the job knowing the situation I was in, um, knowing that obviously during the days most of my time is going to be taken up by training. But I can work, so I work evening evening shifts. Um, I work at uh, Chelsea Football Club. Um, in a work there under under the bridge music venue uh, as a bar manager at the moment, so I do that um, on a on a part time basis, um, you know, which helps me, you know, to be able to live my dream and and fund it as well. So um, I'm sort of in a I'm in a good position there because some people don't have that. And going back to your career, then when you want to move forward, now you've got to get yourself back into physical condition to be able to train properly again ideally for you now Lewis what, what's the plan going to be is it to, to try and get this injury this niggling injury sorted now and then try and get yourself another fight day and I know that's something MTK are pretty good at with their fighters they're pretty good at getting people fight days pretty quickly because they put a lot of shows on and they have been doing over the past 18 months so I think it's quite possible you'll be out you know by maybe what are we on we're on July maybe by sort of August, September time. Yeah, well, obviously, at first, obviously, I'm, we're, we're thinking about that and, you know, with the advice from the physio at the moment that I'm having work done on my leg with, you know, we're looking we're looking at probably around in between three to six weeks of rehabilitating the leg and getting it back to its full strength because I've overtrained it and it's, you know, um, the muscle fibres are all intertwined and stuff and it needs to be, you know, flushed out and we need to get it back to, you know, operating as good as it can. Um, but when you, you know, when you think it's July now and before you know it, I'll be, I'll be four weeks into my treatment by the end, by the end of the month. So you're only looking at two weeks before I can be back doing things fully. Um, cause obviously I'm not really allowed to do much with it at the moment. Um, and I can't do much of it at the moment, totally honest, um, walking things, but I can't train with a, with a good intensity at the moment. Um, so if we get, if we get that back to, back to how it should be, that should be by just after the start of August, maybe mid-August, um, and then I'll, I'll be, you know, I'll be back in the gym as soon as this leg allows me to be back in the gym. Um, but yeah, I'd say, I'd say probably if we look at it, maybe yeah, if you look at September time, if they've got, if there's dates out there, you know, um, you know, Lee's always quite good to me, and you know, always gets me out on on them shows. And like you said, that they've got a lot of them now. Um, the other good thing about them is they're putting in boys in fifty fifties, which is something else that I am, you know 
massive on one as a fan but one as a fighter because if you ask most of these boys on the circuit now there's a few of them that want to but a lot of people now do not want to be fighting journeymen and paying them the money that they that they have to pay them now um, you know because journeymen are not cheap so so yeah we'll look at you know september uh, september of time um getting out back then um Obviously, that was meant to be my first six-rounder in a couple of weeks, so we'll look to do the six-rounder, get a couple of them under the belt, hopefully have two fights before the end of the year, really, um, and then go from there. Um, but like I said, it all just depends on how, you know, how the recovery goes like that. But from, from the early times we're seeing, it, it hopefully shouldn't be long before I am back and able to train properly and, yeah, and get back in there and build on, on what May was, which was a good performance. Um, so, yeah, so we'll look to probably have... If we, could, if we could squeeze the third fight out then we will um, but by the end of the year to have another other couple um, and then go from there and build on it into the new year So going back all the way to the start of our conversation and talking about that first time you went into the gym with no training and you got battered in your words battered around the ring <laughs> <laughs> and going to where we are now and where you're looking to go at this moment in in your mind what would be an ideal milestone for you in your career ambition wise um to be honest i'm not you know i didn't i wasn't an elite amateur i wasn't winning titles at the amateur level you know i wasn't in with these you know these boys that go oh yeah i'll box him in the amateurs he's a good fighter i wasn't one of them, like, you know, I was boxing okay kids, but not. So I've never come from, what, a titles are my thing. If I come out of boxing and don't win a title, I'm, you know, I've underachieved in everything I wanted to do. I, I'm just, to be honest, all I want to do is get in the ring, have a good fight, put on a show, um, and go home safe at the end of the night. Um, and I want to box 50-50s eventually. That, that is what I want. You know, I don't want to be fighting these journeymen for long, really. If you ask me, I'd want to have these two fights get a couple of six rounders out and then go into it, you know, put me in with someone, you know, someone on the NTK, um, under the NTK banner, put it on a show, you know, there isn't the pain, the journeyman, there isn't anything like that, just put us in the 50-50, you know, because that's, that's really now, when you're looking at the sport, that's all people want now is 50-50s and that's what I want, you know, titles, if they come, they come, who knows, you, know, you can never say never, would I have said, you know, going back, to that time when I said I got battered in my in my first time in a gym, would I have thought that I would have been a professional boxer? Absolutely not. Would I have even thought I would have had 12, 13, 14, whatever amateur fights I had? Absolutely not. Um, so, you know, I'm just living a dream every day that this this is what I get to do and that I get to sound a professional athlete. Um, so for me, you know, my dreams and aspirations are just to keep doing what I'm doing and and enjoy it while it lasts because I don't look to be boxing forever. Um, I don't want to be one of these people that quits the sport and comes back in 10 years' time when I'm 37 or something and I've got, you know, kids and a family and more important things to worry about. I don't want to be jumping back into a ring. So I want to do everything now while I've still got the time to do it. Um, being 50-50s, that's all I want, just to be in 50-50s and, you know, and to leave the sport with people going, do you know what, you know, he might have not won titles, he might have not been the greatest boxer, when people see me around go, do you know what? He could have a fight and he could and you know, he put on some shows. I've went to watch him as a professional. That's it really. That's all that's all I want for me. Like it's not the glitz and glamour. Do I want it? Not really. I'm a private person. You know, I, I do I want all of you know, if I get to the big stage then that's where I get to, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna live in a bubble where I think, you know, that Matram and Eddie Hearn are gonna come around the corner tomorrow and, you know, offer you a big deal because really that 
is that really what's going to happen? Who knows? Right now, no, it's not. So um, yeah, I just want to I just want to enjoy the time while I'm in the sport and and see how far I can go. It's all about how far I can test myself um, and how far I can improve. And if after that, if I, if I don't show like I improve anymore and you know I start to lose the love for it, then I'll stop. Um, but until then, being some fifty fifties, being some good fights, and just make people remember my name around you know. My local area was stuck where I box all the time, and just that uh, you know I was I was up for a fight and never backed down from a challenge, and that was that was the way my career went. So that would that would be that's my aspirations and what I want when I leave the sport. That's what I want to be said about me, really. So. Well, it's been really good to to hear about the the journey that you've been on in boxing so far, from the moment you stepped in the gym for the first time to the the struggles that you've had to go through to losing someone you love so dearly in your life to then think you're never going to go back to boxing to be back at it and really pushing yourself forward for where you want to go with your boxing career yes you've got a little bit of a stumbling block with the 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 most recent fight not happening because of an injury but it's all part and parcel of the sport like everybody knows so it's been really good to hear all that and what your aspirations are as a fighter and in terms of people that are listening if they want to go and follow your journey and, and they've really enjoyed and they can really, really relate to what you've been saying today, where can they find you on social media to do that? Um, so they can find me on Twitter, Instagram, at LewSmith94. Um, I'm also on Facebook, uh, Lewis Smith, um, And I'm also um, on Snapchat as well, um, which my Snapchat is LewSmith94 as well. So people want to, you know, add me up follow the journey you know speak to me about anything i've said on here and uh, like you said if they they can relate to things and want to have a chat then i'm all up for it i always reply to all my messages um yeah follow me on there and is there any sponsors that have been giving you any sort of support that you want to give a shout out to yeah i've got i've got to give a shout out to my sponsors because they're the reason that i can still box even though i've got a job they do take away some of my my other problems that i do have um i've got darren new um for dnel uh, event logistics um, great guy sponsors quite a few boxers up and down the country and just does it just because he loves the sport and wants to give a bit back um, and also Chris Jones for Think Recruitment um, who is someone else who, who look, looks after me well um, both Charlton supporters like myself football fans um, so it's a real real tight knit um, also thank you to my boss Robert Ward who obviously like I said gives me a job and it makes me able to be able to follow my dream um, yeah and just a you know, shout out as well to you know my family my friends my girlfriend um, and also you know uh, Charlton fans that give me a good follow uh, and also Jordan who handles all my PR he's an absolute legend um, and all of them people just make my life so much easier so um, just a massive thank you to all of them really um, not just sponsors you know like I said family and friends as well they do a lot um, you know and it's a stressful life for them when they when they go and watch their someone they love get punched in the face so um, I just appreciate all their support and you know keep giving me all of that until until I call it a day so, um, but yeah, thank you to all them people because without them, I'd have to be doing a nine to five, which I probably wouldn't like too much and, you know, wouldn't be living my best life. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on, Lewis. Really enjoyed speaking to you about your career, about your life, about where you want to go with it. Thank you so much for coming on, and I really hope people enjoy listening to you and what you've had to say, and I hope they go and follow you in your career. And obviously all the best for when you get the next fight. Hopefully it'll be sort of September, October time. I'm really looking forward to seeing you back in action. Lovely. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me.
So there we go, guys. That was a fantastic interview for ones to watch. Probably one of the best that I've done for the ones to watch series. Solely because of the fact that, you know, there's some real life issues there that a lot of people can relate to or are too scared to speak up about because of the stigma surrounding it. But Lewis was very open and honest about how much the passing of his grandfather affected him and it recently happened to me in the past 12 months and it was a very difficult situation for for myself as well and the circumstances of course but you know you've got to think about that there's so many other guys like myself and Lewis out there that don't speak about this stuff and I find it quite compelling to, to hear somebody speak about it and feel you know, the same way I did. And more importantly, the way he was able to bounce back from that and knowing that his grandfather would have wanted him to continue his boxing career. And that is exactly what he's gone and done. So we've got to give credit to him for opening up like that and speaking to me, someone who he hardly knows about that level of stuff. So it was really good to hear that from him. But on the positive side of things, moving on about his career, the the story about him going into the boxing gym for the first time, you know, I shouldn't laugh about it at the time, but it cracked me up, the fact that, you know, he went in there thinking, you know, I'm going to go in there uh, and and take my anger out on somebody and just got absolutely planted. And that just goes to show you that you can't just do that. There's so much skill that's involved in becoming a professional fighter. And, you know, he got his ass handed to him the first time he went in, a few more times after that, but that's how he learned. He went in there and he was determined and determined to show a lot of people how well he could do and that's exactly what he's done. So fair play to him for doing that. So I hope everybody that's listened to it has enjoyed it. Family, friends, people that support him, I hope you've really enjoyed listening to the episode of Wants to Watch and please go and support him and follow his journey on social media. For us, please go and follow us on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast feeds and you'll be able to hear all the latest episodes from all the different series that we run. We are an Apple Podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, Player FM. You can find us everywhere. Please go and support us. It's really, really appreciated. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.